Hello, welcome to Storytellers of STEM. My name is Rachel Villani. Uh, this is going to be a regular week where I just have one episode um, after the three we had last week because it was Earth Week. So just the one regular episode this week. Um, and today's storyteller is Courtney Petrie. She's a cardiac sonographer out in Denver, Colorado. And she's going to tell the story of how she got into this and what was so interesting to her about it. Um, and tell us sort of like all the different aspects of ultrasounds because uh, probably like many, I have no idea beyond, you know, when people go in to get the ultrasound of their uh, baby when they're, you know, pregnant. So I didn't know anything about it beyond that. So she's going to tell us all about it. So I learned a lot and I hope that you do too. Um, Courtney and I recorded this on March 15th, right at the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic starting in the U.S., or at least uh, expanding a lot in the U.S. It had already sort of started in Seattle, but that was when it started in New Orleans, or when it was first confirmed here. So you hear us talk about that a little bit. Um, So just to give you an idea of when we recorded it, it was uh, middle of March. So I hope you uh, enjoy this story by Courtney Petrie. Yeah, so uh, tell me all about it. So I, whenever I was in college, I was studying nursing and I just really started, um, I noticed that in my classes, you know, um, biology and um, all the pathophysiology, the anatomy, physics, like all of that. I was so drawn to that and learning about the disease itself rather than dealing one-on-one with a patient, mm-hmm. which is what I felt like um, nursing was more like um, definitely like, you know, I had to learn all that, but I was just wanted to know more about the disease. And so I actually switched and was um, thinking that, you know, one day I would go to medical school. Um, And then at the time I was like watching my mom go through law school. (laughs) And I was like, I don't know if I want to do all of that after college. You know, that's a lot. And that's, I just, when you're 18, you have no idea what you want to do, you know? So I had all of these things in my head and I knew I wanted to do something in the medical field. I knew I wanted to do something. um, I was drawn to cardiology um, early on and I knew I wanted to do something where I worked with kids. And so I was like, okay, what could I do that? (laughs) Do all those, you know? Um, The pediatrics part was still a little bit on the back of my brain, but I knew definitely medical field. So I was just like trying to figure that out. I ended up getting a degree in general studies. Um, and then one of my mom's friends who was an echo tech. So that's like, my title is echo tech. And so basically that just tells you like a, um, ultrasound tech that specializes in the heart. Um, so I went to work with her and I shadowed her and I was like, super interested in it that day I applied to um, a cardiovascular ultrasound school um, because that that's when I really realized that it was like ultrasound of the heart um, not so much of babies which is what I I only thought ultrasound was a baby's (laughs) Um, 
there's so many different types. And so that kind of opened up a whole new world for me. Um, and yeah, I started school like the next month, like it was very fast. Um, but that's how I learned about it was from my mom's friend. Cause I had really never heard of that before. Um, but that's how I got into it. So there's ultrasound and then is an echo, a type of ultrasound specific to the heart. Is that right? I don't yeah. really know. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. So ultrasounds is a big thing and there's different types of ultrasounds, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I did so not know that. Specialized. We all kind of specialize in different parts. So of the body. So we call it, um, different modalities of ultrasound is like the term. Um, so I specialize in the heart, but not just like a, a broad, you know, um, cause there's a lot to the heart. <laughs> yeah. So I specialize in pediatrics. So it's uh, congenital heart defects. So things that can go wrong with the heart anatomy when it's forming, um, you know, from, from the fetal age, even after birth and then into adulthood. So really all levels of cardiology, um, which, you know, whenever I went to school, it was like cardiovascular was like pretty, like in a general term, um, mm -hmm. like even the vascular part is like a totally different modality from what I do. So um, we were kind of learning a little bit of everything and learning how to like work a machine and, you know, general anatomy. And then just like with any job, like once you get into the field, you really start to see <laughs> like, stuff gets real in the field and you start to see like, oh, this can form this way or, you know, uh, what it looks like to see, you know, a 70 year old patient that has never been able to take blood pressure medicine because he couldn't afford it. Like what that looks like. And that's very different, you know, heart disease from a baby that was born an hour ago and only has half a heart, you know, so that it just, I wanted, I was really interested in what does that baby look like, <laughs> you know? So it was just, um, and then from that, I started specializing in fetal. And so seeing it before they're born so I ended up scanning babies <laughs> yeah <laughs> you got all the things that you were looking for <laughs> yeah. yeah so it's super interesting for sure it um keeps me on my toes <laughs> yeah it sounds like every day would be different uh just as the nature of every patient being different definitely um and every every patient is different and every defect um you know, we still are seeing things that I'm like, oh, I didn't even know that that could happen. I didn't even know that was a defect. And so what does that look like and how do you treat it? And um, the really cool thing about what I do is we're not just taking pictures. You know, we really do have a good understanding of like what's happening in the pathophysiology of it. Um, but also how it's going to affect that infant and, in, you know, the long-term after they have surgery, after they're in adulthood. Um, and it's just, 
absolutely always something new. Like that's the best way that I can describe it. Um, is I love it. I could talk about it all day. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I don't, like I said, I don't know anything about medical stuff. I mean, I watch a lot of Grey's Anatomy, but that does not count. Because <laughs> uh, when stuff does happen, like crazy stuff, I'm like, this is like a Grey's episode. This <laughs> funny. Do people in the medical field watch Grey's Anatomy? I have no idea. Some of them do. I feel like the doctors get like annoyed with it because it's so unrealistic. That's funny. Yeah, but, and to uh, me, I'm just like, man, this is cool. I don't understand it, but it's cool. I totally watch it. I'm a huge Grey's Anatomy fan, so. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, what's a, what's a day look like in your world? Um, like, so I, I work in the field. I guess everybody calls what they do some, a lot in the field. But I'm, like, out in a boat in the wetlands, whatever. So all my days are different, but, like, very different from some ways that yours are different. So I, but, I don't understand what your day is like. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds so cool, too. Um, so a day in the life of a sonographer. So um, if I'm on, you know, um, there, there's really two separate, like, main jobs. So there's, um, you know, the pediatric um, ultrasounds and then um, the fetal ultrasounds. So depending on what, you know, I am covering that day, I might be asked to do more fetal than pediatrics. Um, so if I'm, you know, some days I'm asked to do both. Um, and those days can be tough when you're like just starting out because you really do have to switch your brain. Like, if I'm, I come in in the morning and I realize, oh, I have three fetal ultrasounds back to back. Okay. I go into this um, mindset of like, this is the first time that this patient is being told that their kid might have a heart defect. Um, and so you really do go into kind of this like um just imagine if you were being told that you know like most of them get to us you know just coming from the ob and the ob doctor has told them hey the heart looks funny so we're gonna refer you to these people and they can tell you more and so they come in and they're really like confused as to even like what's going on and the first person they see is not the doctor the first person they see is a sonographer so you know we really do have a lot of parents that come in crying and it's just a really emotional time for them and so um that's always tough because you know you're part of that so many decisions that are going to be made that day um about you know they're nervous. And so is the heart going to look normal and everything is okay? And should we just echo them after they're born or are they discharged and done with us? Or are we about to break, you know, life changing news to them? Or, um, it's just a really like emotional roller coaster. So, um, 
if I'm on, you know, like a fetal service, that's just the tip. That's the typical day for me is just going like, but then you also have to have that compassion, like after they're born, because sometimes, you know, even if I'm on like pediatric echo days, um, and I go into the hospital and they had no warning prior to their baby being born that they're going to have a heart defect and this baby's born and they're blue, you know, the parents are terrified. And so you're kind of always dealing with that emotional roller coaster in the, you have to put it in the back of your mind because you have to do what you need to do to, you know, get the right picture so that the doctor can make a good diagnosis and you can give the family what the information they need to, you know, move forward with the plan. So sometimes it's not just fetal, you know, like sometimes I'll go to the NICU and there's a new baby and, um, you know, it, I think it's just the, the biggest part is to just have compassion, like no matter what situation you're in, um, if you're in this field, you know, um, so typical day, um, I, I go in, I look at, you know, what patients do I have for the day? Am I looking at a lot of, um, you know, chest pain teenagers, you know, that are coming in, they're probably going to be structurally normal hearts, but they might have, you know, episodes of passing out and playing sports and, you know, um, is it just a matter of, hey, we need to just show that the heart is normal? Um, is there something going on bigger than this? And sometimes it's not always normal, you know. Um, we get surprised by teenagers that play basketball. They could end up with like a really thick heart and that's, it's always scary for parents, you know. I feel like we get a lot of sports uh, teenagers. They're, they, you hear those stories of them just collapsing on the basketball court. <laughs> so sometimes it's those just sports clearance ones. Um, and so I'll, I'll see the patient. Um, you know, they'll, they come in, we do the ultrasound, and then we meet with the doctor. Um, and we just kind of present the patient to him and we or her and we'll say um you know i saw a b and c on the exam this is what i think and we're really like involved in the decision making process we're not diagnosing by any means but we do kind of give our input like hey i got this measurement i think it is a little bit enlarged and then like you take with it what you will you know and they kind of make they make all the decisions on, okay, does it need to be put on medicine? Does it need surgery? You know, but it's more so than just taking pictures, which is what I love about what I do. Cause I get to be really involved in that disease, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know if that, <laughs> if that helps kind of. No, it does. Today. I never thought I never thought about it as like, you know, if you've got a mom who's pregnant and there might be something wrong with her kid, that's like possibly her worst day or she's freaked out or whatever. But, and so like, and that's really hard. And you may have to, or you and the doctors may have to like give her bad news or good news, but you have to do that multiple times a day. Like, I never thought about you just like on the roller coaster and go around and around. I never thought about it that way. Yeah. Um, it's, um, it is, 
very involved, but um, it you definitely have to like keep your emotional side like um, under wraps because like you do want to show compassion as much as you can, but you have to do what you need to do to do your job and they need you to do your job, you know, because there's not many people that specialize in congenital heart defects. There's not many people that specialize in, you know, um, looking at it on a fetus. So a, a 20 week ultrasound is typically when you go to the OB to get, you know, your anatomy scan. And at that point is um, the heart is approximately the size of a quarter. So it's super small and it's moving. So it's like, it's just, you know, super tedious. So like, there's not many people that do that. Um, I think, I think I'm one of like, I forget what the number is, but it, it's around maybe 50 sonographers in like the surrounding eight states that are wow. registered in like, all forms of heart specialty so it's it's and I don't say that to be like um cocky <laughs> I say that is like it really is specialized and like we have to stay on top of it so that we can help people because they need people to know what they're looking at you know and to know how to get those images because if you I mean, it's, it's, it sounds dramatic, but like, if you don't show the right picture, it can completely change the heart defect. Um, so we look at it from multiple angles. Sometimes we look at it, you know, at different um, weak gestation um, period throughout the pregnancy. We might have them come back if we couldn't see like a valve well enough because that one valve could change how the whole heart develops. And it's just so, it, it's it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's not that many. Fifty in an in eight state area, and all the states out there, you know, they're pretty big states. <laughs> so, yeah, there's not many people that are like, you know, I'm from Louisiana, so I mean, I know for sure there's like there were like eight ultrasound techs that were registered in fetal peds and adult cardiology, like in the whole state. Wow. You know, working with like five of them, so it was like it just is that um, specialized to find people that can do um, I'm sure there's people that can do all mo modalities of um, cardiology, but there's not many people that are like registered in all three. Mm -hmm. When I say registered, I mean like on a national level. So, I mean, it's, it takes a long time too. like, that's most people think, oh, you just go to ultrasound school, like it takes a year, you know, it's like, no, you got to do those prerequisites. Then you go to ultrasound school. Then after that, I did an internship. Then I worked in the field for like five years before I could even sit for the exam because I had to get enough scans under my belt. Like it's a long process. So mm -hmm. it takes a long time. Um, but it's so, it's so worth it. Like it's, it's yeah. such, an awesome field to be in. Like we need more people to be aware of congenital heart defects. I mean, one in a hundred babies are born with one. Wow. And it's, it's pretty, I mean, it's, Ooh, that seems like a lot. 
Yeah, it's more common than you would think. And it, it could just be, you know, something small and it could be something serious. And those really serious ones are obviously they're more, um, they're, they're more rare, you know, but, um, there's still like a, I think it's like one in a thousand is like half a heart, you know, it's, it's really like more than you would think, you know? Yeah. I don't know if my statistics are all the way correct. Even if they're not perfect, it gives you an idea because if you asked me like, how many people are born with half a heart? I'd been like, one in a really high number and I think yeah. you just said one thousand like that just doesn't seem seems like too many it probably it might even be more than that It'll, but I yeah. know that a hundred for sure are yeah are it's some sort of heart defect so we do need people to like know this mm -hmm. stuff back forwards that can like help you know um yeah. But it's really, really an interesting job and I love what I do. And, you know, every day I'm like, okay, what am I going to see today? Like what's going to happen? <laughs> like, uh -huh. oh, I'm you know, sure. so I'm really excited because I'm starting a new job, um, within the next week, um, at a children's hospital in Colorado. So it's, you know, one of the top children's hospitals, top 10 in the country, um, you know, one of the top like five research centers and I'm just so excited to just learn more and see more and start really, you know, um, getting involved in research and, um, I'm super excited because I've always wanted to do that and I'll be able to, um, just see so much that I like all the rare things that I really haven't been too, too exposed to. Um, a little bit, but it'll be more often over there, you know, right? Because they're a big um, teaching hospital. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I wish I could have talked with you after like a few months over there, just about like. <laughs> well, you can come back. That'd be fine. <laughs> yeah, like how it, you know, compared. Uh -huh. We can do a follow up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm excited. Will you tell me again or slash elaborate on like the education part of it because I think you said you you went to college and you were interested in nursing but I'm not real sure uh what path you took so like if anybody is listening and interested in that I'm just curious like what the route is yeah. so for sure there's so many different ways to get into the field um and different you know um there's different modalities of like radiology so there's not just ultrasound there's like x-ray and there's ct there's mri um eeg techs like there's so many different things that are needed um in the hospital and um you know we need people in all of those fields and they're all like have multiple ways to become um there's many ways to become an ultrasound tech. So, so I, I got a bachelor's degree um, in general studies and I actually did it in arts and humanities um, because that's just, I had a lot of arts and humanities classes, um, but I did have what I needed to apply to ultrasound school from um, starting in nursing. So, 
from that, I applied with the prereqs that I had and I got accepted and it was a one year program um, at an ultrasound school. So there's generally there's two types of ultrasound schools. There's cardiovascular, which is what I went through. And there is OBGYN. Um, they usually do like abdominal. They usually do like general small parts. Um, so those are typically the two like big programs. Some places, I know there's a school in Florida that does like everything, um, which I, I really don't know much about. Um, I just knew that I wanted to do the heart. So I was like, well, I'm going to specialize in cardiovascular. So um, from, so that was a year. And then a lot of people can just start taking their national board exams actually while they're still in school. Um, I chose to wait and I took, um, I took my adult and my peds and my fetal, like once I got in the field, which is hard. I mean, I don't, I don't really recommend waiting on some of them because a lot of people won't hire you unless you have it. And so it's really hard to find a job. And so I, I just started scanning for free and that was like what I called my internship. Um, so there's just so many different ways, kind of like you, like for nursing, you can get a bachelor's in science and go through a four-year program and then sit for your NCLEX and boom, you're a nurse. Or sometimes people get their associate's degree first and then they become an LPN and then they ultimately go to RN. Like it's kind of like that for ultrasound. You can get an associate's degree and then go through it. You can get a bachelor's degree and then go through it. Sometimes you don't need a degree at all. Just as long as you have like some prereqs, you can get into a program. So there's like so many different ways to do it. Um, I actually have um, one of my best friends who just started a PA school. She was a sonographer before she was in PA school. And she went through a four-year, like, cardiovascular science, like, ultrasound program. So, I mean, they have, like, so many different ways that you can do it. Um, I just I'm – a, I'm a horrible test taker. Like <laughs> – so I like really struggled with my board exams. Like I had to study my butt off for them. Um, and I, I mean, I passed, but it was, it took, I felt like it took a lot more for me because I have such bad anxiety with testing. Um, it took a lot for me to like really wrap my head around it. Whereas like once I got it, I was great, but I just, I focus so much on like the timing of the test and stuff like that, you know? Um, so some people, they might, you know, breeze through it where others are going to struggle with just, just the testing, you know? So it's just different for everybody, but, um, but those are like generally the ways that you can do it. Bachelor's associate, sometimes you don't need anything. Um, I don't recommend doing a class online. Like you have to get hands-on, um, I've had a lot of people ask me that. People reach out to me. I've had friends reach out, you know, trying to switch careers. I've had random people reach out to me. I've had high schoolers, you know, trying to figure out what do they want to do after high school. And I always tell them the same thing. No matter what you do, 
don't do anything online. Like make sure you're there in person getting hands on because ultrasound, like it's all hands on. <laughs> so like you can read a book all day long and you might understand it, you know, by the book. But once you're like with that patient and you're trying to get the images, like it just in trying to work the machine, like you're going to get so confused. So just start from the beginning hands on. But yeah, no, that makes sense because you can get the knowledge from, you know, the information or whatever online or a book or in class, but you can't get the technical part of it from your computer, you know? For sure. Yeah. I have to look up this statistic really quick. <laughs> I want to Google it because it's going to bother me. Okay. So it's one in every around 4,300 babies. That still seems like too many. I would have like 100,000 or something if I was just picking a number. Yeah, I was like, I need to know this. Like, if this is going to be on a podcast, I need to, like, look this up. <laughs> yeah, so it's about 1 in 4,300 are born with what's called hypoplastic left heart syndrome. So, basically, the left ventricle, like, your main pumping chamber that you need to pump, you know, to your systemic system is like severely underdeveloped so they automatically as soon as they're born they have to go through um a heart surgery of some sort whether it's you know a cath or like straight to surgery um so it's a pretty significant defect but i knew it was like it's more it's more babies than you would think you know mm -hmm. but um yeah it's just it's super interesting <laughs> yeah so the heart has is it two ventricles? Yeah. Right, right in the left. So that one was left. So is there one where it's just the right that has an issue? Yeah. So that one, um, if you could, you can technically say hypoplastic right heart syndrome, but then, you know, the next question the doctor is going to ask is like, okay, which type? Because, you know, that could be pulmonary atresia. It could be tricuspid atresia. It could be there's just there's that's when it gets so complex because there's so many different things that can go wrong that you're just like whoa this all happened because this valve didn't develop and you know at at like 10 weeks the heart is already formed and people like most women are just finding out they're pregnant and like the heart's already formed like there's nothing you can do about it like it's you know um well, I shouldn't say there's nothing you can do about it because now they do fetal surgeries. So like some of these kids with like critical aortic valve stenosis. So like the main valve that, you know, is connected to the aorta that goes to your systemic system. Um, if that one valve is like underdeveloped, they can actually go in while the baby's still a fetus and balloon it open. And, you know, obviously other things have to be right and sure. it has the baby has to baby and mom both have to be like good candidates for this to happen but um you know they're they're doing those types of surgeries right now and it ends up being better than it would have had they not done it so it's pretty crazy <laughs> pretty bizarre a lot of layers to go through because you know you've got mom and all this other stuff and then a little tiny heart's in there somewhere yeah, somewhere it's like, like <laughs> nesting dolls. I know those surgeons oh that on babies like that just blew my mind. You know, tiny, tiny. Oh my goodness.
That's yeah. Just, yeah, that blows my mind. Uh, <laughs> like, I feel like I knew this might be a thing that exists, but just thinking about the actual, like, logistics of how that would work and the size of things, like, there's, like, no room for error or for anything because everything's so small. Yeah. The size is, like, really what took me back because, like, I really didn't realize how small the heart was when I was doing fetal exams until, because it's all like, looks like it's zoomed in and it's all like blown. Mm-hmm. I really don't know what you're working with. And then um, I was studying for my fetal boards and I saw a picture of it compared to a quarter. And I was just like, whoa, <laughs> that's really small. <laughs> yeah, tiny. So when we come back and we're like, hey, I didn't see this vein, it's like, well, do you blame me? <laughs> like, it's a bit like, right, yeah. it's like a thread, probably. Yeah, yeah. So, oh my goodness. I think if you can give them like as best a possible like answer on what to expect, then you've done your job. You know, if you can help them, help the parents just kind of mentally prepare, you know. Um, And, like, the goal is, like, not to be that parent that lives far from a hospital and the baby's born at home. Like, this happens. You know, water births are, like, a thing now, and they have the baby at home, and they end up having to call 911 because the baby's blue, and they have to fly them or transfer them somehow to a hospital. Like, the goal is to not be in that situation. Like, we really want to best prepare them as much as we can um but that definitely does happen yeah I feel like more information is better than less information at least the majority of the time because it's 2020 like we have all this amazing technology that we didn't have you know 200 100 years ago like yeah we can make decisions and have better information and like just have images in general is amazing absolutely even if it you know we do scans where even if it does look normal, but we know that the baby is going to be born with um, trisomy 21 or Down syndrome, you know, something where that increases the, the chances of a heart defect, um, then we'll still like do an echo after just to be 100% sure like, hey, nothing's wrong and you can go home and you can sleep well knowing, hey, at least like it's not the heart, you know, um, okay. that's another thing. If they're born with any type of syndrome, um, you know, we really want to, um, echo them after just to make sure. And, um, yeah, I mean, genetic testing and like, there's so much that goes into it, um, Mm -hmm. that I didn't even think about until I was like really in the field. Like I was like, what's genetic testing? What do you mean? Like, what are all these syndromes? I didn't even know these syndromes existed, you know? Right. And I'm sure a lot of people don't. I only, I know the two you said, but I don't, I don't know much else. I just know that they're out there. And then they all have like, like there's like different names. So like Down syndrome is the same thing as trisomy 21, you know? Yeah, I know that. <laughs> you know, there's different names for them. So there's yeah. just, um, and it, it always amazes me, like, how much the, the parents are awesome. Like, they do so much research. Like, they'll come back and they're like, yeah, we saw that there was a 50% chance that, you know, this was going to happen. And we, you know, they, when they really do their research, it makes it just so much easier to, like, you're, okay, you're better prepared. Like, mm-hmm. you can have some peace of mind. And um, 
I just can't imagine like what they go through. Like I'm not a parent, so I'm have no idea. So I just try to be like, you just want to be like as compassionate, empathetic, like as you can, because I'm I have no idea, but I can't imagine getting that news and like having to prepare for that um, that day, you know. <laughs> so yeah, that would be really tough. Uh, I also have no idea, but that would be tough. Yeah, like always just trying to like be mindful like even if it's like an adult congenital patient um so when I say um adult congenital I mean this this patient was born with a heart defect that was repaired as a child and now they're an adult (laughs) so we follow them into adulthood which a lot of people don't realize even the patients don't realize that now there's adult congenital specialists interesting there's whole clinics for like adult congenital because as you grow up, you know, and you say you get the flu as an adult, but you've had like significant heart surgery. Okay. Well, we're a little more concerned like about, you know, this prosthetic valve that you have as opposed to doesn't have one. Like it just, you know, the concerns change and like pressures change over time like into adulthood the um the diameters are different you know what's normal for a kid versus an adult so you really do have to like switch your brain for like each (laughs) patient that you scan you know Mm -hmm. yeah so when you said pressure is that like your blood pressure or like pressure within the heart or is that all the same thing maybe yeah so there's like your um your systemic so your uh that would be like your blood pressure that you that everybody checks with a blood pressure cuff that's like coming from your systemic system your um your uh pulmonary uh you can have what's called pulmonary hypertension as well um and so that's like the pressure is too high in the pulmonary system so like coming from the lungs Like the, so there's you know there's just things that change over time especially yeah. surgery um I guess it's the easiest way to explain yeah. it um so yeah so we really just have to like switch our brain for like each one right because if I'm doing a fetal echo I want the right heart to be like in charge because they're still in the belly like the let like mom is breathing for baby so like the right heart is dominant and then as soon as they're born, it's like the left heart starts to take over. And so things start to change. And, but if they don't even have a left heart, you know, like, it's just so, it's really different for like each patient that walks through the door. So to have a, an understanding of like all of it really makes it easier because, you know, I, I, I started learning it from adult. And then I went to peds and then I went to fetal and it's like breaks it down more and more time. And I'm like, Oh, that's why they're born with half a heart because in fetal life, this is how it forms and it loops and it just starts to all click. And eventually one day you're like, Oh, I think I get what I'm looking at now. (laughs) One day it just makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. That's interesting because you went through like every stage you said, right? Like adults and uh, kids and fetal and fetus whatever yeah Yeah. so it's like and everything's different so that's really interesting um yeah just to break it down each time yeah that's really cool I'm super um I'm like interested to see how all this plays out with uh, the coronavirus because I'm like 
we're trying to figure out like what this is even doing, what's going to happen. And like, how is it going to affect the kids? How is it going to affect if mom gets it? Like how, like all this stuff is still being like learned what happens, you know, to the, cause it's a respiratory illness. So like, what's going to happen to those kids with pulmonary hypertension? Is it going to affect them at all? Like I have all these questions and I'm just like, no one even knows the answers yet. They're still like researching it. And so it's interesting. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, that's a whole other story probably about the coronavirus. Uh, there's a, there's a lot that we don't know and a lot that it can interact with other things, especially people who have underlying illnesses, which I would assume would include heart defects and things like that. So for sure. Yeah. We will it's see. A lot. It's a weird year. That's the yeah. nicest way I can put that. <laughs> it is a weird year. Yeah. I agree. I saw someone say, uh, was it, maybe it was you might've shared like, have we tried unplugging 2020 and plugging it back in? Yes. <laughs> on my Facebook. I just thought it was funny. I'm like, that's like the most accurate way to describe how I feel well, right yeah. now. Yeah, it's pretty much how I feel too. <laughs> right. Oh, man. So, yeah. Uh, so, one of the themes that's sort of like been carrying on through all these episodes is sort of mentoring and just like, um, and besides just mentoring, which is like, like like introduction to things as a kid or when you're in high school or something. Yeah. And it sounded like that work shadow that you went on was like the thing that we're like, I want to do that. Yes. Uh, and so it's like, it's cool that you were able to do that, had the like connection to do that. And then, uh, yeah, that it even worked out because that's amazing because I'm, I'm sure so many people like maybe have an interest that they don't really know and then don't have a way to like, kind of test it I guess like try it out you know yeah um, that's really I, cool my best advice for that is like you have to put yourself out there you can't just apply behind a, co a computer screen and be done like I actively like went out into the community to every cardiologist's office and was like handing my resume to the secretary and like I know that's like dramatic but I'm like you have to do things to put yourself out there especially when it's a competitive field and like whenever I started in ultrasound I was in you know just adult echo and vascular and so I was in a completely different field um and so I just like made it known from the beginning like hey one day I want to train in peds one day I want to train in peds like I just kept mm -hmm telling people that and they thought it was crazy they're like oh my god that's so hard like nobody does that like it's so hard um and I was, reason to not do it and I was like I want to do this like I'm gonna do this one day and one of my coworkers who worked on call at a peds hospital knew from me like telling people and reached out to me it was a Wednesday morning I'll never forget because she changed my entire path in my career and she texted me and she was like, hey, we have a position in peds. I'll train you. Like, when do you want to start? So, like, I got lucky, but, like, I really did put myself out there, like, for years before I got the opportunity. And she, like, is totally the reason why that I even, like, the snowball effect started because from that, 
job, she, she trained me in like all the views I needed to know, the basic cardiac, you know, anomalies. And then from that, I got my job at Oshner. And because I had that experience on the job from her, I got the job at Oshner. And from that job at Oshner, after I was there for a couple years, they finally let me like watch a fetal. And then after I watched a fetal, then I got to start training in it. And it's just, you, you have to like put yourself out there and you have to just keep pushing. And like people told me that I would never do it because it was too hard and like too hard to get into, like no one's willing to train you and they don't teach it in schools and it's too hard to learn and the boards are too hard to pass. And like, so many people told me that I would never do it. And I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and people finally gave me a chance. And then, you know, now I'm starting at one of the top 10 hospitals in the country. So it just like, is a surreal uh -huh. feeling, but you have to push for what you want. Like no one's going to do it for you. I think um, that's really important to say because it's hard to like sell yourself and put yourself out there and advocate for yourself. It's really hard it, no matter what field you're in. And I think that that's awesome that you did that despite all of the people being like, no, it's too hard. You're not going to do it. Like you can just be like, yeah, cool. Good luck and get out of my way. <laughs> you don't have to like be it, negative, but I thought awesome that you went for it. As a female, like in the field, like when I first got out of school, like I remember telling someone, telling one of my coworkers I wanted to do peds and I looked around and I was the only female in the whole operating room and there were probably like 20 male workers and I was the only female and I was just like I just felt so, like such this and I was so young too like I felt like people didn't take me seriously I used to get comments about oh you you look like you're still in high school like you know it just drove, it just drove me. Like, I can't, there's no other way to explain it than I was like, I might be young and I might be female, but I'm going to like be in this and I'm going to be with like the best one day. Like I just had to drive. I was like, I have to do this. And now it's like a lot of females, you know, and you know, it's not just about that. It's just, my point is if you want something like you have to make it happen for yourself mm -hmm. nobody is gonna do it for you <laughs> right yeah yeah um, and you said you said you got lucky and um uh hillary said luck is like having the skills and also like being where the opportunity pops up at so like you did yeah. get lucky because you the opportunity showed up but you're also like the person for the job uh yeah you got to go to but yeah I mean that's it's fantastic that you were able to to take the people that were maybe being negative or not that helpful and just like use it to fuel like yeah oh, well, I'm gonna take all that and now I'm gonna use it to go do it anyway yeah you have to you have to it's, it's so easy to take that and just like get depressed or disheartened oh. or something. and I totally like I'd be lying if I said I didn't like there were days where like I wanted to give up and I you know, wanted, like, I was just wondering, like, okay, is this too hard? Because, like, I was, I was struggling, like, passing one of my board exams, and I was just, like, maybe I should do something else, and my mom was, like, no, like, just study harder, like, just do what you need to do, like, you're, you know, you can learn this stuff, and mm -hmm. now I'm teaching other people, and so it just, yeah, that's you awesome. Can't, you can't give up. <laughs> you yeah, just can't don't give up. up. 
advocate for yourself. Go for what you dream dream about. And yeah. good job, mom, for like being like, no, work harder. You can do it. Yeah. Nope, you're taking this again. Like, even if you need to get a tutor, like you're gonna get it. And once I got it, I was like, oh my god, light bulbs went off. And then yeah, yeah. Then I passed, you know, my peds and my fetal. Like I passed them the first time sitting for them, which is like so hard, you know, of a test. And I just in my opinion, like I, like I said, I'm a bad test taker. So it was just, it was just such a surreal feeling, like being to each moment, you know, each goal that I set, like just keep moving forward. And I feel like that's, you know, what is life about if you don't have like goals like that, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's so easy. (laughs) Like, it would have been so easy for your mom or whoever to be like, oh, well, that's fine. You can do something else. But that she pushed you is awesome because it was in your best interest, even if it didn't feel like it, you know? It pushes <laughs> when it comes to education, for sure. <laughs> yeah. That's how I learned. Where there's, like, something that – this is an example that pops up into my head. Um, when I got started on my current job, I had to um, go through the airboat operator certification course so I could drive an airboat. Yeah which is a very weird thing. Um, But then when I was doing my training after the course, you may have to log so many hours as a certified driver. And my coworker, it was like getting a little windy and it was, the conditions were not sketchy, but it was like, I don't know, I'm still new. I I wanted to chicken out. And she's like, no, you're good. You can do it. (laughs) You know, we weren't, it was, it was not dangerous in any way, but it was just like, she could have been like, okay, I'll just, take over which is what I wanted to do but I was chickening out I wasn't actually like scared I was just like needed that little push and I was like well she was totally right she should have pushed me just that that little bit not to do like a situation I wasn't prepared for because I was prepared for it I was just like scary but it was fine (laughs) Um, sometimes that push whatever it is is important even if it doesn't seem like it should be it seems scary or whatever for sure. Yeah, well, this has been really interesting, Courtney. Uh, I don't know anything about any of this, but now I do, so that has been awesome. <laughs> well, I'm glad you have, like, a glimpse into it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's been, it's been a, like I said, we don't have a lot of, like, medical people just because my world is a little bit uh, skewed just from the field I'm in, but it's awesome. And if, well, thank you so much, Courtney, and good luck on your new job. I'm sure it's going to be amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much, Courtney. I appreciate you. I hope you enjoyed hearing uh, today's storyteller. And if you want to find out more, I share a bunch of information and resources from every storyteller over on the podcast Facebook page. So go find us and like us. It's called Storytellers of STEM on Facebook. You can also find the same information and stuff on my Twitter at Flying Cypress, F-L-Y-I-N-G-C-Y-P-R-E-S-S on Twitter. I'll share all kinds of information and resources from each storyteller over there. Um, And if you would like to be on the podcast, I'm always looking for STEM storytellers. So if you have a story you'd like to share, uh, message me on Facebook or Twitter or check out my website, rachelvillani.com slash podcast. And there's a submission form and it will send info to me and then I will get in touch. So if you want to be on the podcast, hit me up. Thanks for listening.